Well, it's good to be back with you after having a couple of weeks break here. A little break in our sermon series on uh, Peter, but we pick it up today. Uh, I know you've seen them uh, before, those, those before and after pictures meant to tempt you into buying a weight loss program or a face cream or a teeth whitener. You know, they're always so ridiculous because it's obvious that they've been photoshopped. The, in the before picture, the person sticks out their stomach, they put a frown on their face, it looks like they haven't bathed in a week. And the after photo, supposedly taken just a couple of weeks later, that lighting is perfect, they've been professionally styled, and they are so ridiculously changed that you doubt that they're even the same person. Just kind of like that, that, those snowman slides. We doubt that, that that kind of change can really happen. When people change too much, it just seems like it's not real. So you can only imagine what Peter thought, what people thought about Peter. <laughs> you know, last month we looked at him in the Gospels, and in the Gospels, he was a mess. He would speak without thinking. He would talk a good talk, but couldn't walk the walk. He was clueless. He was a coward. Jesus even tells him, get behind me, Satan. But then everything changes for him. He encounters the Holy Spirit, and he's transformed. The Holy Spirit gives him power. The Holy Spirit gives him courage. The Holy Spirit gives him a story to tell. The Gospels are the before pictures. Peter the Clueless. Chapters 1 and 2 of Acts are the transformation. And then Acts chapter 3 and on is the after picture. Peter the leader. <coughs> Peter the rock. Peter the courageous. So we're going to look at chapter 3 and 4 today. And just see how much God can change a person. Even a person like Peter. Or like me or you. We'll start off right away with uh, the first verse of Acts chapter 3. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit and beg at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Those are some of 
the most famous words of Peter. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. Being a follower of Jesus does not make you rich. No matter what some TV preacher might promise, being a Christian isn't a get-rich scheme. But it does come with power. Well, well, actually, that's not exactly true either. It doesn't come with riches, and it doesn't come with power, but it comes with knowing the one who does have the power, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The before and after pictures that we see in these commercials are so tempting because they promise us power. Just buy this product, and you can have the power to turn heads, the power to command attention, the power of six-pack abs and flawless skin and a dazzling smile. We want to have power. The old Peter did too. Remember when he wanted to, to walk on water? It wasn't Jesus' idea for him to get out of the boat and try to walk on the sea. Peter asked Jesus to give him the power to walk on water. See, the old Peter... The old Peter was all about Peter, all about himself. And when it's all about you, well, good luck walking. Peter steps out of that boat and he just sinks like a rock. But the new Peter, the after photo Peter, the Holy Spirit filled Peter, he doesn't care about his own power. He's done trying to walk on water. But he will help others to walk by connecting them to Jesus. You know, that guy in, in Acts chapter 3, we find out a little bit later that he was 40 years old. For 40 years, he hasn't been able to walk ever since he was born. And yet, at the name of Jesus, he is healed. Now, that got everybody's attention. I mean, you don't see miracles like that every day. Somebody who, who hasn't walked for 40 years suddenly jumping up to their feet. And even today, people who can do impressive things get noticed. They become famous. They, they get fans. But the Holy Spirit, Peter, filled Peter, <coughs> could care less about being noticed or getting fans. He's not in it for himself anymore. He's in it for Jesus. So listen to what he tells his would-be fans. Verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And then he tells them that they too should have faith in Jesus. They too should follow him. Being a Christian doesn't give you miraculous powers, but it does connect you to the one who has those powers, to Jesus Christ. And through faith in him, miracles do happen. The lame do walk, the blind do see, the dead are raised to life. Which sounds like really great news, and it is. Unless you're a Sadducee. 
You see, the Sadducees back then were teaching everybody that there is no resurrection of the dead. When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. It's all done. And so it kind of, kind of hurts your message when somebody comes along and suddenly miracles are done in the name of the risen Jesus. And people are, are walking that had never walked before. And the resurrection is being proclaimed. So they've got to they've put a stop to him. They've got to they've stop this message of life in Christ. So we pick up in, in verse 1 of chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Do you recognize some of those names? Annas, Caiaphas? Those are the very people who had Jesus arrested and cheered for his crucifixion. In fact, it was in the courtyard of Caiaphas's house that the cowardly Peter, the before Peter, denied even know, knowing who Jesus was. Remember that story? We looked at it last month. Three times before the rooster crowed, Peter said he didn't even know who Jesus was. He called down curses on, on himself, swearing that he, he never knew Jesus because he's afraid of what people will think or what people will do if they find out he's a follower of Jesus. But the after Peter is a changed man. It's the same place. It's the same threats. But a new Peter. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness that was shown to a man who was lame, and being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Cowardly Peter has become courageous Peter. Even his accusers are astonished by, by how boldly he speaks of Jesus. But where does this, this newfound courage come from? What's well, right there in verse 8? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, When we have the Holy Spirit... We find courage like we've never had before. Courage to stand up for our faith. Courage to do the right thing. Courage to love. 
on my vacation uh, the last couple of weeks, we stopped and visited some friends in La Crosse. We had a lovely lunch at the Pettibone Boat Club with a gorgeous view of the La Crosse riverfront. But something had changed since I was last there. In the park across the river, there was a tent city which rivaled anything that I've seen in Minneapolis. Hundreds and hundreds of homeless people have come there to try to get by. Almost all of them are homegrown from the area. Many of them are addicted or have mental illness, but not all of them. It's a place most of us wouldn't dare to go to, especially at night. But one woman bravely walks among them, arranging food and clothes, helping them get health care, listening to what's on their minds. She's my friend Sue, my former church secretary. She started helping when the need was a lot smaller. And as the need grew, so did her courage and her love. And people asked how she can do it. But I know, she's spirit-filled, just like Peter. The Holy Spirit changes cowards into courageous leaders, turns an ordinary woman into an extraordinary servant of Christ. Big changes really can happen. Just ask Peter. Not that everybody was excited about it. The authorities would have just assumed that Peter kept his mouth shut, afraid to talk about Jesus. Like some places today, they don't even, even want anybody talking about their faith. But Peter says he can't help but speaking about what he's seen and heard. Verse 16. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded that they not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. The before Peter doesn't know what to say. And when he does talk, he talks foolishness. Remember when he saw Jesus transfigured in all his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration? The Bible says that, that Peter didn't even know what he was talking about. But now he knows for sure. And he's not afraid to say it. In fact, he says, I can't help it. I can't help talk, talking about what I've seen and heard in Jesus. How about you? Do you talk about what you've seen and heard in Jesus? What he's done in your life? I think sometimes we're afraid to talk about Christ because we think we got to, to know something. We think we have to, to have some degree in theology or, or to have a pastor title or something in order to talk about Jesus. But, but Peter doesn't say, I can't help talking about all the theology I've learned. He doesn't say, I can't help talk about what I learned in seminary. 
He just says, I can't help talking about what I've seen and heard in Jesus in my life. That's all we're asked. That's all God asks of us. is simply to tell our story, what we've seen and heard, what God has done in our life. Peter, in his first letter, in verse 315, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you the reason for the hope that you have. That's something that all of us can do. He doesn't say, always be prepared to give them an answer of all the biblical quotes that apply to this subject. No, he just says, tell them why you have the hope that you do. Just tell them your story. This week at the Dunn Brothers uh, uh, men's group, I heard two examples of the power of simply telling your story. And don't worry, I've, I've gotten permission to share these things. The first one uh, is, uh, is what Don May shared. And he talked about meeting with two... By the way, this isn't Don. <laughs> um, he talked about meeting with two friends. And they'd been meeting for years and years. But because the two friends didn't have faith, faith was off the, the conversation uh, list. They never talked about their faith because these, these two men, that, that was something uncomfortable for them. Don even wrestled with whether he, he should continue meeting with them, but he felt God leading, leading him to do that. And as they, they got older, the conversation began to turn more and more towards health problems and fears of the future, as, uh, as so often is the case. And, and one day, they turned to Don and they said, how come you're so calm? I mean, with all the, the things that are, that are happening, how come you're so calm? And maybe somebody's asked you that. With the world falling apart, how can you be so calm? And Don simply was prepared to say, because I put all my trust in Jesus. Peter tells us to always be prepared when asked to be able to, to give the reason for the hope that we have. And it took many years, but Don was prepared. And when the time come, they asked. And he said, because I put all my trust in Jesus. That was his story. Now Rick Steinke also told a story. And a story of sharing his faith and, and the power that it has he was vacationing in Puerto Vallarta, and uh, he was lounging in a big hot tub. And this isn't Rick either. <laughs> and somehow he began to, to, to share his story about the impact that knowing Jesus has had in his life. And, and if you know Rick's life at all, you know that uh, it hasn't always been easy. It's a life that 
that has been filled with anger and pain and suffering. And he was just sitting in the hot tub, just talking, and people there started listening and leaning in to hear the story. And the next morning, the wife of one of Rick's friends came up to him all excited. What did you tell my husband last night? She asked him. Rick said, I don't know. I just told him my story. He says, well, my husband told me last night, I think there's something about this religion that I have to find out something more about. And I want to start going to church. Rick didn't dazzle them with his biblical knowledge. He didn't explain to them all the mysteries of God. He just told his story about how Jesus had changed him. And it changed someone else's life. Just like Peter did. Now I see that this October, uh, the Billy Graham Association is coming to Rochester with their God Loves You tour. And so I was looking on their website um, because they're looking for various kinds of volunteers. And, and I saw that to be a prayer volunteer, you have to take a course. A course in sharing your faith. It's a, it's a three-hour course. It's called uh, the Christian Life and Witness course. So you better know how to share your faith. And you may want to check out the website. You may want to go to that course. Um, I'm sure it'll be a, a fascinating thing and, and may be of help. But I also want to ask you not to wait till you've been to that course to share your story. Because you can share your story even now. What you've seen and heard God do in your life. Always be, pre pre always be prepared to give an answer to why you have the hope that you do. Always be prepared to tell your story. And if someone says, well, Oh, we don't want to hear about that Jesus stuff. Stop talking about it. Now just say like Peter, the after Peter. We can't help it. We can't help talking about what we've seen and heard. In Jesus. I pray that God will make us powerful witnesses in the world. Don't you don't have to go to seminary to do that. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a deep Bible scholar, although it never hurts. But each of us has a story, a story of what God has done in our lives. And all God asks is that we tell it, share our story. Let's pray. Jesus, we know that you transform lives because our lives have been transformed by knowing you. For some of us, it was a long and slow process. Day by day, week by week, as your spirit worked within our lives, you shaped us and you made us your own. And For others of us, it happened almost instantaneously. We went from the before picture to the after picture. And people may be wondering about us, how did that happen? Lord, help us to have the courage to say, well, 
because of Jesus and then tell our story. Lord, thank you for the transformation that you work in this world and in the lives of people like Peter. Thank you for the work that you've done in our lives for the story you've given us to share.